0: Hey, Strange New Worlds listeners, it's Mike Wong. I want to begin with an important note today, before we get into the main show. As you know from my recent episodes with folks like Tim Russ and Walter Koenig, I've been proudly serving on the board of advisors for the Nichelle Nichols Foundation, named after the late great actress who portrayed Uhura on the original Star Trek TV series. Unfortunately, I've stepped down from that role. Without getting into too much detail, there were some non-ideal things happening in the administration of that organization that caused many of us on the board of advisors to resign. Now, I want to be clear that this does not reflect upon the former science programming officers at the foundation who were amazing, nor Nichelle's family who were absolutely sweet and great to work with. And I am still very proud of the science outreach that I did while a part of the foundation because I know that we really did make a difference in people's lives. But I would caution anyone against donating to the Nichelle Nichols Foundation anymore. It's really sad to say, but luckily there are plenty of other places that you can donate to if you're in a giving mood. For instance, you can consider donating to a scholarship or fellowship that serves underrepresented minorities in science, technology, engineering, math, and the arts at a nearby university or college. So with that important note out of the way, let's move on to today's interview. Today we have the pleasure of talking to Jason Von Steets and David Smith, both of them sports psychologists, about Lieutenant Commander Data as a strategist. We're going to focus on an episode from TNG called Peak Performance, where Data plays stratagema against the master of the game. Now, Jason Von has been on this podcast a few times before, talking about various psychological aspects of Star Trek Lower Decks, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek The Next Generation. But this is our first time having David Smith on board. So let's begin by getting to know him and then we'll dive right into peak performance. Engage! It's my pleasure to welcome back Jason Von Steets to Strange New Worlds. Jason, it's so good to see you again. Hey,
1: Mike. It's great to see you. I'm really happy to be here again.
0: Yeah, and I'm so excited to welcome David Smith to the show for the very first time. David, it's great to meet you. It's great to meet you as well, and I am very excited to be here. (laughs) Excellent. Hey, David, since it's your first time with us on Strange New Worlds, why don't you kick us off with your Star Trek origin story? What was your first contact with Trek, and how has it impacted your life? It's interesting because my first contact with real sci-fi
2: was Stargate actually I am a by by my heart I am a Stargate a Gator is what we say you mm-hmm. know a big Stargate fan but I got contacted in the, in the Stargate in the mid-2000s when Atlantis was still airing and by that time there was no streaming there was like maybe limited DVDs things like that and there wasn't really a whole lot and I after I kind of exhausted my supply of Stargate I was looking for something else and a friend of mine recommended uh, Star Trek and I was like oh you know yeah I know Star Trek but you know okay and he uh, introduced me to Voyager so my 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 break into Star Trek was through Voyager specifically the episode the 37s right in the beginning of season two so that was the first episode that I watched of Star Trek like I sat down and watched it and uh yeah I just got hooked ever since and I managed to get the Voyager DVDs and then Netflix came out and Everything was streaming there. So I just worked my way through Voyager then just started going through the rest of the uh, franchise ever since then. So since then, I've seen every single episode, every single movie, everything like that. And I, you know, as far as how it's impacted my life, I just really enjoy not just the, obviously the philosophy of it, right? You know, and the positivity of, of an optimistic future where everybody's equal, everything's, you know, beyond kind of where we are at right now, but also just the different ways that they explore different problems and how they are able to frame a lot of the issues that we face today within our own society in this context of the future that maybe helps other people understand it in a way that allows them to overcome their confirmation biases and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. these are these are issues that are important to us as much as we see this in the lens of everybody else. And um, going back to Stargate, at the end of the episode, Wormhole Extreme, which is kind of a big parody of Stargate but also just sci-fi tropes one of the characters there he talks about how you know sci-fi is kind of a metaphor he quotes Isaac Asimov and says you know it's a metaphor for the human condition and you know helps us kind of represent the issues that we face but in a lens that allows us to to examine it from a like an objective point of view and I really I really like that so you know when I go through Star Trek and I watch these different episodes and I think okay what is the context that this was filmed in what was going on in the world at the time you know, and how does this kind of relate to those events, but also how does it relate to our events now? Right. You know, and how is this kind of translated to the future and have we learned anything from it ever since? So I I just, I cannot get enough of that. It's, (laughs) It's really amazing.
0: Yeah, I think that was beautifully said, David. Um, And we're here today to talk about how Star Trek relates to your line of work in sports psychology, uh, especially through the lens of Lieutenant Commander Data from the next generation. So we're gathered here today, the three of us to talk about Data as a strategist. And let's open our discussion with the season two TNG episode called Peak Performance. And um, before I I ask you some questions about this. Let me just quickly recap the episode for our listeners. So in peak performance, the Enterprise crew is running a battle simulation under the guidance of a famed strategist named Surna Kolrami. And the crew is basically split in half. Riker takes command of the USS Hathaway while Picard leads the Enterprise. That's all in the A-plot. But the B-plot is what really concerns us today. It, it involves the fact that Serna Kulrami also happens to be a champion Stratagema player, and Stratagema is basically a tabletop, holographic video game that requires enormous amounts of concentration and dexterity, and when Kulrami is challenged by Riker, he very easily defeats the First Officer. It, it just takes, like, seconds. It's, it's over before you know it even started. Um, and then you know, Data, with his Android-like reflexes and positronic brain, is able to last a bit longer against Kal-Rami, but he too eventually is defeated, and honestly, it, it doesn't take too much longer. And so... Everyone expected Data to beat Kolrami at Stratagema, including Data himself. And the fact that he failed to beat the Stratagema master causes him to start to wonder if there's something that is wrong with him. And he excuses himself from his normal duties, including preparing for this very important battle simulation that the crew is undertaking to try to find the issue with himself. And he says,
3: I've conducted a diagnostic check of all of my programs. I am now cross-checking with the ship's computer. Is that all necessary? I believe so. I have proven to be vulnerable. At the present time, my deductions should be treated with skepticism. So that's why you haven't been on the bridge? Yes. The captain would be ill-advised to rely upon my judgment. I think you're overreacting. I'm sure you're all right. I, however, am not sure.
0: David and Jason, this experience is probably very familiar to most people, you know, failing at something that you thought you'd succeed at, then questioning your own self-worth as a result of that turn of events. Let's talk about Data's response to losing this game of stratagema. David, do you want to go first? Sure. And this is honestly, this was the biggest scene that really inspired me to
2: to Mm. want to talk about this episode specifically. because. You know, Data is experiencing a crisis of confidence when he loses the game. And, you know, this is kind of the first time that he really lost something specifically that he expected to win. But the whole context leading into this specific game was that Data had no real intention of playing him in the first place. Mm -hmm. But Data was goaded into playing by other members of the crew who said, you know, oh, you're the computer. You should be able to beat him. You know, mm-hmm. you've got all this, you know, programming and processing power and all these things. So you should be able to go up against him. But, you know, Data, uh, we know that, you know, Data can be programmed with certain techniques, right? But we don't know if he's been programmed of how to play stratagemma So, you know, does he even know the game? Has he had any previous experience playing the game? So all these pressures are subtly placed upon him based solely on who he is, with the expectation that he was going to be able to be competitive when data himself was not interested in playing at all. So then, you know, he finally, you know, after kind of this weird scene on the bridge where, you know, all of a sudden he's put on the spot and has to kind of accept it in the moment and just decides to play it, he plays it. And then, you know, going into it has no idea really what to do. So he does his best and, loses and everybody's disappointed. And, you know, now Dana is disappointed himself because he let himself down and he let the crew down and everybody else down. So he feels like a failure and suffers this crisis of confidence. And, you know, for me, I, at first I look at that, I'm like, well, the whole situation was, was super unfair against Data in the first place. You know, all of a sudden he's put up against the, the, the best player in the world in this game and no real preparation or mm-hmm. even intention of wanting to play, and mm-hmm. then you know everybody's saying, "Well, you lost," and and now Data, of course, he's going to start questioning everything. You know, he's still very young. He's still very, you know, inexperienced in a lot of these types of things, not just in game, but just in strategy and and all these things itself. So you know, no wonder he's he's now all of a sudden feeling feeling this way. And 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 we see this all the time in athletes and and other people that go up in in, in these kind mm-hmm. of situations as well. You know where you know, a young athlete who never has really experienced a loss like this before. You could train and train and train and train and prepare, you know, and still lose. And of course, they're going to start to think, oh, well, you know, there's something wrong with me. And, and you know, confidence drops and everything else drops right then and there. And it becomes an emotional crisis in that situation. And for me, that's kind of why I look at, you know, what data is going through. And it's like, it's something that every, a lot of people have gone through. Most people have gone through. And But it it was kind of put him into this unfair situation in the first place that that made this whole thing a perfect storm that led to this moment and, and they didn't even have a chance
0: yeah that that's a really really good point there david that the the situation wasn't that data wanted to face the stratagem a master to sort of prove his worth, but he was just sort of tossed into it by essentially Pulaski who volunteered him to do this um so it was the odds were always kind of stacked against him um and that definitely plays into that crisis of confidence and so Jason, if you had to counsel data, you know if you were Deanna Troy, for instance, and you had to counsel. A crew member who was suffering from a crisis of confidence. um How would you handle that situation?
1: Yeah, great question. And real quick, before I go back to that, this discussion jogged my memory a little bit. And when you mentioned Riker losing very quickly, I thought, wait, did he do the Riker maneuver? Maybe that's <laughs> what threw him off. He didn't get a chance <laughs> to do the Riker maneuver. <laughs> He wasn't in the right mindset. Maybe, maybe that's what happened. If if Riker can go back, I love that. <laughs> but as far as Data and, and being counseled, uh, that, that's a great question. And you can see that Picard knew pretty much exactly what um, what Data needed to hear. He gave him a, a little bit of tough love, and he helped Data to adjust his his mindset to get back to work and start focusing on how to solve the problem of defeating Riker in the actual exercise, because before that point, Data was really questioning himself, like David pointed out. And let me take a a step back uh, really quickly, and um, Data's experience reminded me a lot of something called the fixed mindset or the, the growth mindset. The fixed mindset is when someone believes that someone's qualities are a fixed entity, and you can't change your quality. It's you either have a certain quality or a certain ability or you don't. And then there's the growth mindset where you believe that qualities, ability, skills, things like that can be grown through learning and through effort. And it's really easy to go back and forth between the fixed and the growth mindset. And if you want to put somebody into a fixed mindset or put yourself into a fixed mindset, you can tell them, Ability and strategema is fixed. You either have it or you don't. You can just tell them that. And then someone will think, oh, I wonder if I'm good at it. I wonder if I have what it takes. Or you can give someone a compliment and you can mean really well. And you can say, oh, you know, data, you're unstoppable, you're infallible, you're the best. Of course, you'll beat this expert. And then data or anybody could think, oh, I am the best. Okay. And, and that's great when, when someone's telling you the best, but then once you face adversity, then it's really easy to think, oh, I thought I was the best. I thought I had this, this fixed trait. I thought I was just, just good because, and then if you're not just good because, then that means you're bad, you're not good. Uh, so when someone has a fixed mindset, it's very easy to be a front runner and have lots of confidence and then give up when times get tough. Or you can not even accept challenges, because if you accept a challenge and you fail, that means you never had talent to begin with. And if somebody has a growth mindset, then they're going to be a lot more likely to challenge themselves, to be resilient in the face of adversity, and then, then lots of uh, you know positive outcomes like that. And when, when Picard's talking to Data, he helps him to get back on track, he helps him to let go of, of that recent failure of losing to Kol and in Stratagema. And he asks him something along the lines of, do you know how to formulate a premise? Okay, here's what I need you to do. Tell me, how do I beat Riker?
3: Commander, I require your presence on the bridge. Captain, with all due respect, perhaps it would be better if you choose another to serve as your first officer. Data, you are my first officer. I have not been able to isolate the problem, sir. I might make a mistake. Yes, you might. But that does not alter your duty to me and to this ship. Now, do you know how to formulate a premise? Yes, sir. Then formulate this one. How do I deal with Commander Riker and the Hathaway? I want to wait your answer
1: on the bridge. So then instead of focusing internally on um, you know what's wrong with me, why didn't I just win? I'm supposed to be the best, but obviously I'm not. So something must be wrong. Now you can't trust me in anything. Uh, He gets him thinking again. He gets him learning. How does Picard beat Riker? How are we going to face this challenge? And then he he gets him back into his growth mindset. Data switches his mindset to just focusing on, on this problem and how do I solve it? How do I... How do I put out enough effort? How do I learn? That's going to be helpful for data or for athletes or for people at their job. Uh, there's going to be lots of great benefits uh, to the growth mindset. And then, of course, there's that that famous line that Picard says that uh, I'll leave uh, up to you to, to, to introduce in, in a moment.
0: Yeah, Jason, that was really wonderful. Uh, great outline of the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And we can clearly see now how data was in a fixed mindset. He thought strategama talent was innate and uh, not something that you could improve at or get worse at or you know change over time. He just thought, oh, wow, if I lost, that must reflect uh, about my intrinsic worth. But Picard really gets Data back into the mode of trying to understand that, hey, this is something that you can improve on and switches Data into that growth mindset by saying, hey, look, the next challenge at hand is to, you know, do this battle simulation. Help me defeat Riker. Um, And so, as you alluded to, Picard, when he visits Data, says this very famous and one of the most memorable lines, I think, in all of TNG, if not all of Star Trek.
3: And Commander, it is possible... commit no mistakes and still lose. That is not a weakness. That is life. I believe I understand, sir. And Data, will you leave your hesitation and self-doubt here in your quarters?
0: Jason, what do you make of this very famous piece of advice from Captain Picard?
1: I love it. I wish I could connect it to a specific theory or or concept. I mean, it does help people to stay into a growth mindset. But really, for me, I I just think it's a a great quote, a great lesson. Every once in a while, I've thought about it in different situations that I've been in. Because a lot of times you just... um, you're not necessarily gonna come out victorious in the sort of classic sense of uh, of the word or of how people think of a victory. Um, if you think of uh, any sport, there's one world champion and everybody else at some point is going to lose. Um, even if you're a national champion, if you move on, there's only a small chance that you'll, you know, win uh, the Olympics or the world championships after uh, winning your your national championship. So at that point, are you going to think that you did something wrong, that you're a failure, that you're not good enough? I I hope not. And, And a lot of athletes can struggle with that. I've met with plenty of athletes who, by most people's standards, would be considered wildly successful. But then by their standard, they think, oh, man, even though I played professionally, I didn't win the big game, so then, you know, I'm a failure, or even though I played abroad and did all these cool things, you know, when I come back and look for job interviews, I don't have anything to talk about, nobody cares, even though everybody they talk to is really impressed. Uh, So, People can really struggle with that. And Picard's line is is great for someone who competed at the highest levels, or for somebody who is trying their best in a recreational league, or just thinking about parenting their kids just any, any challenge or driving on the 405, driving on the freeway, you can can make no mistakes and still lose. And that's just how (laughs) traffic in LA is. So (laughs) so, Picard's words are very, very wise and very helpful in any situation.
0: I know exactly what you mean, Jason. (laughs) David, what do you think about this quote, committing no mistakes and still losing and that's life?
2: I mean, it's a classic Star Trek quote, right? And I think it's one of the most commonly quoted lines I see in any anything with Star Trek, you know, whether it's uh, on social media or anytime anybody talks about it, that, that line always comes up. It's classic, 100%. And it's a good life lesson, right? Because, you know, it's something that we can all learn from. Captain Picard and it really cements him as the, you know, the leader and, 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 you know, kind of like everybody's dad, right. You know, and, Mm -hmm. and kind of that, you know, one person that we all look up to. And uh, I know Jason, you, you mentioned, you're kind of struggling to to find a theory for it, but I, I I think I'd come in with an (laughs) assist on that because (laughs) it brought me back to achievement goals theory Mm -hmm. and an achievement goals theory, you know, it's a, it's a theory of motivation that describes, you know, how do we, how do we orient our, our behavior and how do we orient our mindset in achieving certain goals and and in in achieving goals theory there's the task orientation and then there's the ego orientation and ego orientation is more connected with the fixed mindset you know with ego orientation you're saying oh i'm good i'm great i'm i'm the best i'm you know whatever and and like you said with the fixed mindset you know you go in okay Mm -hmm. i am going to win i am you know you've got the ego to Mm -hmm. kind of back it up whether or not it actually means anything is regardless Mm -hmm. and then on the uh, flip side of that with the growth mindset you have The task orientation. Right. So so when Picard makes his famous quote, he he kind of puts this into Data's head because in the very beginning, everybody's saying, "Okay, you're you're the computer. You're great. You're going to be strong, kind of building up Data's ego here. And then when Picard comes in, you know, and he says, well, you know, he brings in the the, okay, how do we deal with Riker question? Mm -hmm. And that switches over to the task. So right. instead of being ego oriented, now he's task oriented because he says, here's the problem that we have right now. What do we do to solve it? That's mm-hmm. the task at hand. And when you switch to the task orientation, it's less about winning and it's more about constantly improving and getting better. And that's what ties into the growth mindset there. So with Picard's quote by saying, it's okay to fail, it's mm-hmm. okay to you know commit mo- no mistakes and fail. That's life. That's mm-hmm. It happens. You could do everything right. You can prepare on every level and put in your best effort and do the best and you could still fail. But that's just a part of life. So what's the next step from there? Okay. You can learn from that. You can learn from those lessons. You could say, well, from this failure, like what did I do that made me fail in this experience? And then you focus on, okay, now how can I fix that? How can I get better? How can I improve? And you go up From there. And that's the lesson that data needed to learn the most in this episode was just to say, well, yeah, you know, sometimes things like you said, you fail, and they don't work out according to plan. But that doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It just now is an opportunity to learn how to get better and improve. So going in there with that growth mindset and Focusing on the task at hand is, is the key component here that really makes certain that you're able to keep moving forward and, and to come out of, you know, a crisis of confidence like this and just say, hey, life goes on. <laughs> Learn from it. Move on. Next step.
0: And Data does take that next step, and we see this at the end of the episode when Data challenges Kolrami to another game of stratagemma This time, Data wins... On a technicality, with the game approaching 36,000 moves, Kolrami throws down his handset and storms from the table, abandoning the game. And when Data is asked how he defeated Kolrami, he reveals to his shipmates that he had changed strategies. Instead of playing to win, he decided to play for a draw and extend the game as long as possible. What do you two make of this change in tactic? Is there ever a situation in real life that you would advise someone to actually play for a draw rather than for a win? Um, David, why don't you go first on this one?
2: I would argue that he did not win on a technicality. He won fair and square. Okay.
0: Because him yeah.
2: him going into this you know, he he had a different mindset. He had a different strategy because he learned not just from his previous experience playing Korami, but, you know, Picard's quote and all this other things that happened during the course of the episode. And he said, okay, I need to approach the game differently. So his goal going into it wasn't to win. It was merely to keep up with Korami So in this case, he said, you know, I'm going for a draw here, but, you know, if you're playing a game of chess, right, You know, in a game of chess, maybe you have a certain number of moves on the board you can make just limited based on the board size. Now, we don't know really anything about how Stratagema works, but presumably it's kind of like chess, right? You know, the chess game ends when the king, when when one person's king gets killed. So in Stratagema, presumably there's no limit to the size of the board. It just keeps going until the king or whatever in Stratagema gets killed. And so in this case, Korami and Data... Are able to keep the game going and, going and going and going and going and going and going until you know one person kills the king of the other or in this case data was able to keep up with Rami to the point where now kolrami his strategy fell apart because his you know he has that fixed mindset he has that evil orientation and maybe in his case it's well-earned because he's a champion player right and right. you know he can play whoever and defeat them and there's no challenge now he's being challenged and he's being challenged in a way that he is not prepared for. So going into this, now you start to notice his, 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 his behavior, right. His behavior during the game, when he first plays, you know, he's super calm and he's just kind of like super focused. But then as he's playing data in this last game and data's keeping up with him, he starts to, you know, wince and he's starting to, to show emotion and he's starting to struggle because now all of a sudden he's being challenged in a way that he had never expected and he doesn't know how to respond to. So all of a sudden now he's panicking and freaking out cuz he doesn't know what to do. So he gives up. He quits. And you know any any game, any competition, if the player quits, it's an automatic win mm-hmm. for the other player, right? You know, so it's not a it's it's not a, it's not a draw because a draw says the game ends with equal score. No, in this case, Korami just straight up slammed his hands on the table, ripped off his, you know, little finger things, and, and stormed out of the room <laughs> all angry. You know, yeah. that's a win. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, and 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 the, uh, as I like to say, that's a big finish, right? Because a big mm-hmm. finish is, you know, a grand. You know, you're done when mm-hmm. when when and and so at the end, you know, Dana, even though his strategy may have been to to play it out as a draw, and he specifically mentions, you know, I passed up specific opportunities for advancement in favor of other moves that allowed me to stay he pace. And that was the key because, you know, he wasn't playing to win. He wasn't trying to beat him. He just wanted to keep up with him. So he was able to approach the strategy differently and focus on the task at hand. So he wasn't focusing on, okay, how can I best him? You know, it's more just like, Oh, he makes this move. I'm going to make that move. He makes this move. I'm going to make that move. And he's able to match and keep up with that to the point where you know again Korami was the one that said, "You know what? I give up. I'm out. Bye." That's ultimately what was his his undoing because like I said, he wasn't prepared for that kind of challenge and he probably hasn't played stratagema, you know, against the challenger like that in who knows how long. So of course he has this ego mm-hmm. and fixed mindset and and when it's all of a sudden, you know, it all falls apart, he doesn't know what to do, so he storms out. And you see that as well all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Great points. Jason, what do you make of Data's switch in tactics here?
1: Yeah, I thought it was great. Like David pointed out, uh, Kolrami fell into a, a fixed mindset or had an ego orientation and he was thinking I'm the best, no one can, you know, score any points on me or challenge me. And then he faced a challenge and then it didn't take too long until he gave up Uh, and we we don't I'm not sure if we saw the entire game or if we just saw a clip of it and they mentioned maybe maybe they mentioned something like over 100 moves or something but also it could have just been a matter of seconds or a minute or a couple minutes because the, the game seemed to move so fast and Kolrami was just stunned by not being able to very quickly defeat him like he did last time and it kind of reminds me of a few famous boxing matches and I, I can't remember the actual people's names and I think there are multiple multiple fights where you know someone one of the fighters had a different strategy. instead of coming straight at this uh, slugger, uh, the fighter danced and did great footwork and avoided. and then uh, at least one of the fighters, at least in one of the matches, uh, the fighter just quit on the stool. Because it was just, they were too frustrated. They didn't know how, how to handle this different strategy. Stand stand in front of me and fight me like a man. And it, you know it was, it was just too different for them. They couldn't handle it. So they quit on the stool and then, then they lose. Uh, and they did great did a great job of not falling into a thinking trap called all or nothing thinking or black and white thinking where you want something to be completely one way, completely your way. And if it's not, then it's, it's completely the other way. And who cares? I don't want it. Or things are just black or they're white. There's no gray. There's no in between and uh, data. You know, he tried to, defeat uh Kurami initially in then that first to that first game and he wasn't successful and he could have thought oh well i'll keep trying to to knock him out i'll keep trying to go for that traditional victory and, and maybe keep losing or i could just try to do something else i can try different things and, and learn and data tried a different strategy and fighting for a stalemate or a draw is better than a loss. So Data didn't get into all or nothing thinking and he went for the draw and then ended up winning because Rami, uh wasn't used to facing adversity. And uh, I, I think that can be a, a great strategy. Uh, and then I would just add that I think that's a great strategy for a competition. Uh, And then in practice or in training, I would advise athletes to risk losing in training, try different things, try things that you might not necessarily be good at, and um, don't always go for the sure victory in your training. This training is to, to get better at, at your skills. So training is one thing. And then a competition is another thing. Uh, so in competition, going for the draw is great. In training, uh I would advise people to to take some risks and learn and, and just uh, expand their skill set.
0: This episode is about data, but I can't help but wonder about the psychological state of kolrami as well. It felt to me like he threw down his handset and stormed away from the table because he was afraid of actually losing to Data in, you know, a normal, in the normal setting, in the normal parameters of the game. You know, as a biological being, he was probably getting tired. Maybe he was getting frustrated and uh, just couldn't handle Data's um, strategy. Um, But Sooner or later, he was going to wear out probably a lot faster than Data being an an Android would. And so I feel like to save face, maybe he'd rather lose by just throwing it down and walking away than lose the Data in a a, a grueling match that could last hours. Did you get that sense as well?
2: It's actually a, a very common strategy that you see in a lot of different sports competitions. And Jason, you mentioned boxing, where you a know, major tra- strategy in boxing is to be able to condition yourself to be able to keep taking the hits and and basically let your opponent wear themselves out so that they get tired so that you're still standing. And then by the time they get tired and they're struggling to stand up, you just got to go in for that final hit and, and knock them out. But you see this in all, all sorts of different sports. Um, you know, and I, I reference this game all the time, but the 1980 U S Olympic hockey team versus the Soviet unit in that match. One of the reasons why, The Soviet Union was able to dominate in hockey during that whole period was because they had higher levels of conditioning where they -hmm. could skate and outskate their opponents to the point that their opponents would get so exhausted and tired that by the third period, they were out of gas. And so Mm -hmm. one of the key elements of the coach for the U.S. team was to condition his athletes to be able to skate at that high intensity all the way and keep up again with the Soviet Union, uh, just like, you know, Dana's keeping up with Korami here to be able to keep up with them the whole time so that that strategy doesn't work. And then the opposing team, in this case, the Soviet Union, again, same thing happened. Their whole team collapsed because all of a sudden now they're get, uh, against the challenger who could keep up with them at the point where they were expecting them to get tired and exhausted and fall apart well, now they can't go in for that final punch anymore because that team mm-hmm. is strong enough to punch back. So, so what do they do then? And and in this case, like with Korami, you know, it was like you said to save face, right? Because it's easier for him to storm out and you know he mentions like, oh, this is this isn't a game, this is a farce, <laughs> or he says something like that, you know. And 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 so that's kind of his way of trying to kind of save himself from from losing or mm-hmm. or from being beaten, right? You know, and and especially in this whole situation where he's got a huge crowd of people around him, so. Yeah, that was just you know that's exactly you know it's something you see employed in sports basically since the beginning
1: of sports. <laughs> and I would just add real quick, uh, uh, now that we're talking about it more, uh, Kool Rami might have been right. He was probably right in his gut reaction to to give up and think there's no way I could win because data would have unlimited focus and energy. And uh, it would have been a really interesting challenge for Kolarami to last as long as he could before losing. That would have been really exciting and interesting to see. And, you know, there's no shame in losing to Data. Data is uh, a very, very skilled, talented being. And what Kolarami could have done at a future time is do a gentleman's agreement to to play to win and then maybe Rami could then have a chance but Rami was going to lose and there's there's no shame in that there's always somebody who has a new strategy or who's just better at a skill set or who's just your match as many times as there's a great fighter who seems undefeatable someone else comes along and has the key to winning so that's that's just life. That's that's not bad. That's just life.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, it sounds like Col-Robin needs a, a talk with Captain Picard as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Why have you suspended the game? Because this is not a rematch. You have made a mockery of me. Data, you beat him. No, sir. It is a stalemate. No game of Stratagema has ever gone this high. What did you do? I simply altered my premise for playing the game. Explain. Working under the assumption that Col Rami was attempting to win, it is reasonable to assume that he expected me to play for the same goal. You didn't. No. I was playing for a standoff, a draw. While Col Rami was dedicated to winning, I was able to pass up obvious avenues of advancement and settle for a balance. Theoretically, I should be able to challenge him indefinitely. Then you have beaten him. It is a matter of perspective, Doctor. In the strictest sense, I did not win. Dana. I busted him up. Yes!
0: <laughs> That's it for this week, folks. Thank you once again for joining us on Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. Next time, Jason and David will be back on board to continue Data's journey as a strategist through the later seasons of TNG, the TNG movies, and even Star Trek Picard. You won't want to miss that. Until then, stay safe, stay curious, and I'll see you out there.